Arena, Oxford's definition. A level area surrounded by seats for spectators in which sports and other events are held. Fancy, eh? This is The Arena with Dave McIver and Joe McFarland on 770-CHQR. Welcome to the very first edition of The Arena with Dave McIver, Joe McFarland here. A brand new show and podcast here on 770-CHQR, as well as wherever you find your favorite podcasts, uh, whether it's iTunes, whether it's on the Google uh, whatever the case may be on the Google. On the How Google. old am I? <laughs> hey, let's be honest. We sit across from each other every day, and when we don't know a question, we go, well, this is what the Google's for. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, brand new idea, and sort of the, the essence behind this is to go beyond the scoreboard, in a sense, to talk about some of the stories that maybe we can't get to during the course of the week, and go more in depth on some of the ideas that maybe we're throwing around, and for Dave and I, we work, as you mentioned, side by side, essentially, and we're both heavy into sports, and we have these kinds of conversations all the time about, oh, man, we should have been rolling a microphone. Well, guess what we have at our disposal? <laughs> guess what they gave us? Yeah. Or, or not even that. We go around the building, and it's like, we've got microphones everywhere. You know what we could do? We could record this thing, and we'll... See what people think about we'll it. See what people think about it. It's going to be offbeat. It's not going to be. It will be talking to people from the mainstream sport, you know, arena, as we will call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to be talking to them about things that, like Joe said, go beyond the scoreboard. It's not going to be your your classic sports show where we're talking about character and grit and what's hundred and ten percent two hundred foot game. <laughs> it's going to be you know talking about the experiences, you know, the new age athlete, uh, the what what's growing sport today, what's hindering sport today. It's it's going to be different but i think it's going to be fun and i think you're going to enjoy me and joe i mean if you don't we're kind of screwed we'll cut that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think you're going to enjoy uh, joe and i it's going to be it's going to be a fun program uh you'll recognize my voice uh f- occasionally from the morning news uh I, with gord gillies in calgary uh and you'll uh, you'll recognize joe uh from just about uh, all aspects he's on talk shows he's got a uh, little news background joe uh, why don't you give the listeners a little chat well and i mean the other thing too that I think a lot of people might recognize his voice from and and more so the the face obviously not on the radio side of things but in terms of the uh, what I do for a living is it's funny somebody personified it this way you're the Ryan Seacrest of Calgary sports (laughs) and I thought about it and I went I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I mean I do host virtually every sport in this city and and uh, with the the hitmen in particular the Sam Peters on the sidelines uh, it's been a pretty good adventure that way. But my background in sports is I didn't play a whole lot. Uh, I played high school football, and that was about the essence of that. Um, play slow pitch now, so that's a, that's an added bonus Heck there. Heck of a slow pitch Heck pitcher. Heck of a slow pitch pitcher. Um, <laughs> but I've followed sports basically my whole life. I mean, I grew up in a small Alberta town that was half an hour away from any kind of major sports And being a farm kid, we didn't have a lot of money to be able to play sports. So it became one of those, I'm going to pay attention to everything imaginable. And I used to be able to rattle off rosters for NHL teams by number. Right, like it was, it was the mid '90s were an isolated <laughs> time for Joe McFarland, um, and and it's that love has always been there, and and I consider myself extremely lucky to be able to work in Calgary sports in a different capacity than being the athlete, but 
This one, I know I'm not going to have to worry about CTE or anything like that. Not that, well, until I get smacked into in the sidelines. Well, you're working with me. You never know. That, uh, that is fair. <laughs> you've got a massive sports background, though. You're, uh, you've played a lot. I played uh, I played uh, some sports at, uh, at at competitive levels, I guess you'll say. I, uh, I was a college hockey player. I played in the ACAC. Um, actually, you know what? That's about the extent of my uh, my, my, my high-level <laughs> sports playing. I, you know, I quit baseball at 12. I played football till I was 13. Uh, but I've always been interested in sports, and, and I've host sports talk here at 770, and I've, uh, you know, done the morning sports run, you know, for weeks at a time, and yeah, my life revolves around sports. It's uh, it's not something I'm embarrassed to say. It's not something I'll ever be embarrassed to say. Uh, I love everything about it. Uh, I love reading about it. I love finding stories about it, and, and that's something we're going to ask our listeners to do. If you got a cool idea, if you have something awesome that you want us to look into, send it our way. And I think we've got a lot of ideas already on in the hopper, and and whether it's the the one that always kind of makes me or always sort of makes me wonder is the evolution of <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> wow <laughs> uh, the evolution of the athlete in Canada and whether it's the nationality or the um, the origin of that athlete I mean we're going to see more, uh, you know, Syrian refugees, for example, when they spend more time here, eventually they're going to grow up and eventually those kids may turn into pro athletes down the line. Uh, The evolution of the LGBTQ athlete and where they are heading. Uh, The evolution of curlers, for example, is one that I find interesting is seeing uh, athletes going from, you know, the, their smoke and drink and doing everything on the ice except being an athlete to these are fine physical specimens now that train 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Uh, it's those kinds of stories and that I think are going to resonate, and I think we can put a little bit of a spotlight on them. Yeah, I think it's going to be... It's going to be something different. I think people should expect that when they come in and, you know, they're going to give us a listen. We're going to be a little bit different, but we feel like we're putting the microscope on the stories that need to be heard and the stories people want to hear outside of, you know, your classic interview with the coach. You know, we, we need to play a 200 foot game. We need to work ours. (laughs) We, We just didn't have a good start tonight. You know, there are people behind these sports per se or behind these shields and we won't be focusing, you know, solely on professional sports. You know, we want to be looking at, you know, amateur sports and, and minor hockey and minor soccer and minor football and, and all sorts of different things. And I think that when you give those things a good microscope, it's better for everybody. You know, like you said, the new age athlete, we're going to be talking to guys who play one sport. And how does that benefit them? And we'll also be talking to guys who play four sports and how that benefits them. It's those types of stories we want to bring you and we hope you want to listen to. Mm -hmm. And really put, especially on a local angle, right? And and that's what the arena is all about, is talking about the things that are going on under the roof or under on the field, that kind of thing that uh, I, I think there's a budding and blossoming sports community in this city, whether it's, and it's not just the usual football hockey. You've got a a great baseball community here. You've got a a first round pick in Mike Soroka, who's ripping it up in the minors, who if by all intents and purposes is going to be a starter with the Atlanta Braves at some point, maybe even this season. Uh, Lacrosse is a massive sport in this city. Soccer is growing leaps and bounds. There's so many other stories that we want to be able to give a little bit of, as you said, a bit of a spotlight to and and that's going to be the really cool part about what we're going to do here at the arena should we tell them about our first show joe 
Well, maybe we should, Dave. <laughs> uh, so coming up after the break, we're going to dive into the idea of home field or home ice advantage. And what got this thinking was the Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames. Not a pretty year when it comes to being at the Dome. Their record at home, not very good. And a lot of people think that maybe the atmosphere around the Dome, in the Dome, on game days, leaves something to be desired. Has changed in the last, let's say, 14 years, since at least 03, 04. Absolutely. And what's contributing to that? Is it something that, can we do something different? Is Calgary not a sports town? Well, there is one team here in town that is doing extremely well when it comes to home field, home ice advantage. And we're going to talk about that. We're also going to get a little bit of some insight into what's going on in in one of the markets that is doing extremely well when it comes to the game day experience. And that's in Vegas. We're going to touch base with one of our insiders over there. This is The Arena. You're listening to Joe McFarlane and Dave McIver. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to The Arena with Dave and Joe on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to The Arena. I am Dave McIver. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Joe McFarland, and we're uh, kind of looking at the experience of the game and, and, and what is going into this Vegas Golden Knights experience. And I want to start off first talking about what's it like to go to a Calgary Flames game, Joe? And uh, I, I work uh, Flames games for the station where I sit in the press box. It's a pretty good telltales or place to tell what's going on in the arena. You notice when it's quiet, you notice when it's loud. But from the fan experience, what have you dealt with, Joe, or what have you felt like you're dealing with or not <laughs> dealing with at the Flames games this year? Well, and it's it's such an interesting dynamic being in a Flames game, right? Because you've got, and I always say, every organization in the city has its different quirks, yes, right? 100%. The Flames crowd is very adult. And, and speaking from the game day host guy who is trying to get these fans to make noise and do that kind of thing. The business crowd isn't necessarily that interested in making a lot of noise, especially if the team's down uh, or things are going rough. The teams have been on a losing skid, whatever the they're case may be. They're networking. They're with clients. That's exactly it. Uh, I always say that the, it's business crowd there. Hitman crowd is very family oriented. A lot of kids in the stands. And a Roughnecks crowd is a Hitman crowd with a five drink minimum. Uh, <laughs> and the Stamps is kind of everything all together. Flames crowd... My very first game hosting with the Flames was a game against the L.A. Kings in mid-March. And I think this was like 2012-ish. And the Flames and Kings are actually in a battle for a playoff spot at that point. And I was thinking to myself, man, this will be easy to get this crowd going because we're in the middle of a playoffs race. You know the fans are – that we have an intelligent fan base here in the city. They'll know what's at stake. They'll go all in. I was, and granted, I'm the new guy, so I probably shouldn't have su- assumed that they were going to buy into what I was trying to sell them. But when I said, make some noise for your Calgary Flames, and it was kind of like a pin drop. Like, it, granted, it didn't help that by the time I got to that point, I think the Flames were down 2 nothing. They ended up losing the game 3 nothing. But it was one of those aha moments where I went, wow, this crowd is different. It, As compared to, at that point, I had hosted for the Hitmen for two years. And had hosted in Met Hat for a couple of years prior to that. It was different. And this year, it's no different, I think, in terms of when things are good, when people have a reason to celebrate, it's great. 
when it's rough go, you're down one nothing early, things get a little tighter. You can hear the air kind of come out of the dome, and I think it has an impact on players. I think you're 100% right, and I think a big part that goes into it is that fan should be leaving that arena happy regardless of a win or a loss. And I think that that's what's changing for a lot of these teams that we see, like the Vegas Golden Knights. It's evident in Nashville. You see it all the time. Tuesday night, doesn't matter. It's a party. They're having a time. And that's what I think teams are starting to offer. We don't see it in Calgary yet. Not to say we won't see it in the future. But I think when it comes down to the fan enjoying the game, they have to enjoy the experience. And I think when we talk to our next guest, Gary Lawless, he's going to explain that to us and, and show us what's been doing, what, what they've been doing differently than, than the flames. And I think the other interesting note on that is I don't for a minute think that the flames aren't trying to develop. Absolutely not. Right. And, and there's a caveat on this is that the fan has to buy in as well. Exactly. It's, it's, it's fan responsibility as much as it is, you know, the team's responsibility to do it. I'm not sitting here saying the flames aren't trying, but they're not doing some of the things these other teams are doing. Right. Well, and I think the other interesting challenge that you're starting to see with sports in general is you're not just competing with other sports. You're not just competing with hockey in general. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're the Stampeders, for example, you're not just competing for football fan attention. You're competing with everything else on the go. Movie night. You're competing with a night at the bar. You're competing with staying at home and watching the game on TV. Yep. And so the challenge becomes for, and this is speaking from somebody who has uh, an in on that game day presentation thing. I mean, I sit in on these meetings, uh, pregame meetings. I don't sit in on you know the development of, of the content and the contests and that kind of thing for the most part. But I sit in and w- watch these meetings go along and that's the challenge is trying to figure out how to give something that goes beyond the the realm of what you can get on TV. And and part of the problem now is especially with replay, right? Like you if the replay isn't going for your team at home, are you going to blare it over the jumbotron? Probably not. I'll sit here and tell you right now you don't see it. You know, and, if, and that's if we're sitting at a Flames game and there's a a goal and you know the thought upstairs by whoever has the power doesn't think it's a goal they don't show it yeah and and you know that's fair but why not if it's not a goal incite a little anger in the fans mm-hmm. get that kind of uh, emotion flowing in the building i was at game uh three when anaheim and calgary were playing and it was the martin jelena goal all over again and they kept showing that replay despite it not being a goal and that is one of the craziest buildings i've ever been in and i've been to quite a few hockey games in my day and it was nuts. It was nuts. It's got to come down to experience. And this is what our first episode of the arena is all about, is the experience, the atmosphere within the arena, whether it is McMahon, whether it is the Dome, or whether it's your community rink, right? Like, you can go to a university hockey game. And I'll use another example, too. Crowchild Classic. If you've never been there, Chances are you might not be a university student, <laughs> yeah. might be part of it. The big part of it, though, is you've got 15,000 fans jacked in there going absolutely ballistic. Yeah, they've had a pop or two, but it was insane. The other one that comes to mind is uh, they call it the Be Brave game with the Hitmen. Yep. 16,000 kids at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning rolling in to watch a Hitmen game. 
Uh, I don't know. Outside of Teddy Bear Toss, that is the craziest game you'll see because the kids are into it. And you ask any player how much the the atmosphere in the arena changes the momentum of the game for them. If they know, hey, you got the puck or you got the ball and you're going down the, the field or down the ice and you've got a chance at scoring, you get that extra little boost. And if you don't have it, you might trip. Rolls us perfectly into our next topic, Joe. I'd like to welcome to the show Gary Lawless. He is a Vegas Golden Knights insider. It's been a crazy year down there, a year I can imagine you didn't expect. Can you take us into what the experience has been like covering those games? Well, it's it's pretty inter- interesting. The hockey has been great, and you know I'm I'm from Canada. You know I spent my spent my professional career covering hockey and writing about it, and uh, we're kind of you know in hockey we're slow to take uh, to accept new ideas and. When I got here, there was all this talk about the entertainment team, the entertainment team. And I was kind of like, well, the entertainment is the, is the hockey game. And uh, they had a new idea here that uh, the owner, Bill Foley, you know, he said right from the very beginning, he said, this is Las Vegas. We can't, uh, we can't just put on a hockey game and expect people to, to think it's Vegas and to, and to, to really grasp onto it and, and to love it, it has to be a show. Um, and they went out and hired a gentleman named Johnny Greco, who worked for uh, uh, the World Wrestling uh, uh, Company for a long time. And, you know, they put on shows in that sport. Uh, they put on theater, uh, drama, and that's what they, they really have want, gone out of their way to create here. Last night, um, you know, after the first period, uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, Michael Jackson won. They did a they did a little mini show in the intermission. Wow! There, there is. Uh, uh, they've hired. Um, it's called. Uh, they're called the, the the Nightline, and they're a bunch of drummers. Uh, they have a parade before every game that goes through uh, the area just outside the rink and into the rink. At the end of the day, the hockey has to be good, and and winning. You know, winning is very important, but they have done everything they could to add to the atmosphere. So if people wait for wait for the the whistle to go to see what's going to happen in between the next faceoff. And uh, it, it, you know, a, a purist recently said to me, they do this thing before the game where it's a little vignette, and it shows um, you know these. Uh, warriors from all the other NHL cities carrying their team's flag and they're climbing the mountain, the Red Rock Mountains outside of Vegas and they're coming to invade Vegas and then it, 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 it flashes on to the to live to the arena and this guy from the other team skates out and he tries to steal the the Golden Knight sword and of course the Golden Knight always wins And uh, but a, a, a person from another team said to me well, this would never fly in uh, in our town. You know, the, the people would look at this and they'd kind of turn their nose 
up at this. And I, at the time, I kind of I accepted it and, you know, just kind of moved on. But then I thought about it for a while, and, and I don't want to say anything about bad about Calgary because uh, it's a great hockey town with a great hockey tradition. But I've been there twice this year, and, I guys, it was like a morgue in there. It, it, and it, it, you, you're asking people to pay a lot of money for hockey tickets. And if your team is not uh, putting on the show of shows every night, it can get old pretty quick, especially if you're expecting people to come 41 nights. And I think that they've, uh, I think they've turned a real interesting page here in Vegas. And uh, um, you, the one thing you can say about our games, they are never boring. How much of it, Gary, is fan buy-in? How much have, have the fans really bought into the product that the, the, the Golden Knights have put out there? Oh, big time. You know, you, you know, like the, one of the best things that they do at T-Mobile Arena is show the fans in between whistles. Like, people are dancing and singing. And this is actually one of the things I say about my favorite part of it is the people at T-Mobile Arena, they dance like no one's watching. They have complete. Uh, they get rid of their inhibitions. They have. Uh, they uh, they get up there and they shake it, and they 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 are competing. It's like a whole uh, audience of entertainers competing to get onto that big screen and have uh, have their their fifteen seconds. So it, it's uh, the fans are. This is fan appreciation week. Uh, you know they're giving away. Uh, you know, it's the jerseys off their back on Saturday and doing a bunch of nice things like that. I wrote a story about it the other day and was sitting there at my desk thinking about, you know, what fan appreciation, you know. And I, I, I got to the point where I was like, boy, oh, boy, it, the fans are such a big part of this story. And they have, uh, like, if they don't come, that's one thing. Uh, the franchise doesn't work. But if they don't come and and – and interact with the players and, and create the atmosphere that they have, this story is, uh, it, it loses a lot of its sizzle, and uh, uh, the fans have been tremendous. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And I was in Winnipeg when the team returned, and that was different. That was cathartic. It was a, a season-long, uh, you know, emotional ringing out of, uh, uh, of 15 years of, of, ha- of not having their team and having their team taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And it, that was very special for sure. This is different. This is a show. And we, me and Joe, both, uh, we love what we see in Vegas, and that's why we wanted to talk to you, Gary. But someone has to play cynic here, and I guess I'll be that guy right now. <laughs> Ten straight wins to start the year. Obviously, that helped. But do you think that despite the wins and losses, the fans would still be showing up because the atmosphere and the experience is so much fun and so good? Well, that's the whole point, right? Uh, yep. You know, you can't promise you can't promise a winner. Uh, you know, George McPhee did say right from the very beginning, he knew where he was being a general manager, what town he was in, and uh, he wasn't building a team that was going to trap its way into games. He was building a fast-paced team that was going to be you know, that was going to be exciting to watch. That's, that's part of it. But uh, listen, we're building new fans. And, um, you know, I don't know how many of our fans after a game would, would be able to, to tell you, boy, that was uh, what a game that, uh, that Tchuk had or, or Gaudreau. Obviously, they notice these things, but I, I, they will tell you, you know, boy, oh, boy, I thought it was awesome 
when that guy uh, asked his girlfriend to marry him in the first period, and then they and then Elvis married them in the second intermission. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you get the sense at all, Gary, that there's maybe a changing of the guard around the league? And, and you mentioned it earlier on is sort of the old guard doesn't want to get away from the idea of, hey, we're going to the rink to watch hockey. Do you think that GMs around the league are looking at the Nashvilles and the Vegases and going, maybe we need to do things a little differently? Is there maybe a buzz around the league around what's going on now? Yeah, like no offense to any of the general managers who, who you know, played in the NHL or, or played hockey and then, you know, went and got a law degree and, and figured out, you know, how to, how to read the CBA and, and calculate the cap. But where did they get, did they get a marketing degree along the way? Um, because, like, to me, there needs to be a real mix of the two hockey operators for so long. Uh, and I worked in the CFL, and, and the, the CFL was, you know, the hot thing. The, the football ops guys, they ran the show, and I always scratched my head. I'm like, this guy knows, uh, this guy knows how to de- how to how to design a, a pass rush, but I don't think he knows anything about game presentation. And that, like, it, it is entertainment. And if you don't think it is, um, go buy a ticket for a couple nights and pay for that ticket, and you know, live with that for a little while because it's a lot of money that you're asking people to fork over and they they have to be entertained well like you know it's, it's uh to me it's kind of crazy that you would even have to have that discussion in this day and age but uh hockey just pure hockey i don't i, don't, I that can that can sell in the playoffs and it can it can sell when you're successful but with the parity in the nhl this year you don't know year from year if your team is going to make the playoffs and if you lose that that intensity that comes along with a playoff race, boy, you're, you're running out of things to sell. So having people leave the rink with a smile, whether you won or lost, to me just seems like that's just good business sense. Thanks so much. That is Gary Lawless, Vegas Golden Knights insider, here on the arena on 770 CHQR. And wherever you find your favorite podcasts, we'll be back in just a moment. This is the arena with Dave and Joe, and not just any old ordinary Dave or Joe, but Dave McIver and Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Impressive. Welcome back to the arena with Dave and Joe. I am Joe McFarland. He is Dave McIver. A brand new program here on 770 CHQR and on a podcast as well as we'll be rolling that out. We're continuing this conversation about the experience for the fans inside the arena, whether it's at the Dome, whether it's at McMahon. And there's one team in particular, Dave, you and I talk about these guys all the time. One team here in Calgary that really does it well. Calgary Roughnecks. Every time. Every time. It's The conversation always gets back to them. It's amazing to me is how a team that... The sport isn't really well known. It's not like when you go to the game, you're like, oh, that was obviously foot increase, right? Like you don't necessarily know the rules. I mean, as somebody who does PA with a team, I've done the game day hosting as well with them. There are times where I even go, what the heck is going Going on over here, right? Like as bad as that sounds, luckily I have our next guest right beside me to walk me through some of the details. Sometimes I think that he doesn't necessarily know, but... 
Austin Shaw is the manager of game presentation for the turf teams here in Calgary, being the Roughnecks and Stampeders. And he's joining us now on the arena to talk about all that he does. And Austin, let me ask you that it was a really simple question right off the bat. What do you do with those two teams? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really good question, Joe. Um, and, uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, it's, it's always evolving and, and, and becoming more. Uh, but that's a good thing. Um, essentially, I, I think the simplest way is, is I bring the game beyond the game. So I, I sort of add everything around um, what's happening on the turf or the field. So you remove the players and, and you remove the actual game that's happening um, that's us. So we do everything um, from building that video content on the board, you know, planning the fireworks behind the show, um, you know, creating the fun in-game experience music, uh, you know, those, those goofy, you know, coffee cup shuffle games. Um, you know, I resent build. that as someone who's done that game before. <laughs> <laughs> We all love the coffee cup shuffle. But, uh, and, uh, and so what we want to do is, um, is, is, is compete with the couch. You know, we want, we want fans um, to get out of their homes where they've got their HD TVs, you know, they've got the bathroom nice and close. We want them to come down to the, you know, to our barn, you know, McMahon Stadium or the Saddle Dome, or the Rough House in the Roughnecks, okay, uh, in, in the Roughnecks uh, uh, situation. But um, what we want... Is, is to provide everything from beginning to end. We, we want to open the doors early and provide a happy hour. We want fans to come out and, and, and you know, hang out with their friends in a di- different type of atmosphere. We want them to enjoy the game from beginning to end, and we hope the team wins along the way. But if we're doing our job right, you've had fun no matter what. You remove goals and, and all of that, and you still go home feeling like that was money well spent, that, you know, the extended bathroom line didn't really matter because, you know, I, I had a chance to enjoy a, a cool night out, a Saturday night out with my friends. And uh, if we're doing our job right, that's that's how fans go home. And Austin, I can I can already hear the critics saying, oh, well, the Roughnecks don't have to deal with the national TV. But right. in defense... You know, you guys are dealing with, you know, hockey night in Canada on Saturday nights. Uh, you know, baseball's uh, just around the corner. You're going to be dealing with that. So to those critics, you know, what do you say? Well, I mean, exactly. And, and, and you know, the entertainment dollar and that discretionary spending only goes so far. So that's a great example. But we're also competing with a movie theater date night out, um, dinner and, and, you know, a nightclub with, with your buddies and, and things like that. And, and we want to provide uh, just another great form of entertainment in this city. Um, and, and exactly. We're competing with other sports. We're right in the middle of the hockey season. Um, we're competing with the fan that was just at the Saddle Dome the night before spending his money um, on concessions and tickets to go to the Flames game. Um, so we are constantly, constantly trying to find fun new ways to get people in the door, in the building, and enjoy a brand new sport. And you know, and a lot of a lot of fans that come down that don't truly understand lacrosse, but can sit back and enjoy the experience from beginning to end. How much of it is buy-in from the fans? Because that's been the big thing. And and having been, you know, the the uh, both the game day guy as right. well as uh, upstairs with you. The fans have really enveloped this team and and really helped your job in a sense, haven't they? Oh man, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I don't want to sell myself short here, um, and I hope no bosses are listening. <laughs> they they write this thing, and in a lot of ways, you know, they make Mookie or or you know yourself, Joe, the PA announcers up top. They make your lives easy, your ability to interact with them, get them going, get them out of their seats, get them making noise. It's incredible, and, and it really does uh, make our lives easy. I mean, I, I, I've always said. I can roll any sing-along at any point during that game, and fans are out of their seats, singing, chanting, having fun. And the score on the, on, on the clock might be extremely lopsided for the road team, and the fans are just there to, to enjoy it. They, they buy in with the get in, sit down, and shut up. They love, love cheering and singing and dancing to the goal song and, and the whole um, – um, you know, choreography associated with that. And I mean, I can't believe how amazing um, at times those Roughneck fans are. And truthfully, the most forgiving fans in this city, I can say that confidently. Awesome. You say, what are some of those things you're doing? Like, I know you guys have theme nights and stuff like that, but what are some of the things you're doing to focus the game away or focus the experience away from the game? Right, right. I mean, uh, a really good example, one that we just did, we, and we fought, uh, we fought really hard to land this date. As soon as St. Patrick's Day landed on a Saturday this year, um, we knew we needed that date. Uh, we built out that theme from beginning to end. We we put in you know what we dubbed the largest St. Patrick's Day on the concourse. Uh, we brought in all sorts of you know in-game elements. Red Dog, our in-game host, looked absolutely ridiculous. Bought into that theme, uh, but God love him, he uh, he does so well at, at getting the fans engaged. Fans were dressed up in their green, uh, and that's just one example. I mean, year over year. We try and find fun new themes or bring back themes that people buy into. Superhero party that we just did and fans and kids get to come in and and dress up and we get to build out video content that is somewhat lacrosse-centric but also ties back to, you know, everybody's favorite superheroes and, and, you know, goofy videos that get the fans riled up and and, and get the party going or keep the party going. Um, Mookie, Joe, they do such a good job at engaging the fans throughout the game. So they feel like they get an assist. And I know countless times Joe has, has assigned a third assist to the fans <laughs> after, you oh, know. Hold on, Austin. I'm, I'm just going to, I walk, I got to walk over here and give him a pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give him that one. We'll give him an assist there too. But, uh, yeah, a number of times where. Um, you know, lacrosse is amazing that way, but you can be loud on offense. So um, very opposite to, to the football feel, but you get loud on offense, you drive that team. And I can't believe the number of times that Joe or Mookie calls for noise and half a second later, um, you know, that team puts the ball in the net. And, uh, and these are all the things we want the fans to feel like they are driving the game, that they are, you know, that, sixth or seventh man out on the field and um and we you know we throw in all the other aspects just to keep that atmosphere up and that energy up and 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 keep them 
you know, having fun regardless of what's going on down there. I know you guys have a lot of conversations behind the scenes about what you guys do with the Roughnecks. From your experience, have you guys had that discussion from a hockey perspective about how to, can you integrate stuff from lacrosse to hockey to make that experience on on the ice side of things a little crazier, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic question and certainly a philosophical conversation that, that we, that we, you know, broach every year. I mean, we want in a perfect world, um, the, you know, the roughnecks crowd, um, you know, we want the third assist in hockey. Um, we want, you know, that, that on defense for, for the Stampeders, uh, we want the hitmen to feel, you know, the same way. Um, and, and so, uh, there is there is sort of a magic um, you know touch or something that we've really harnessed in the Roughnecks side. Uh, we joke sometimes the Roughnecks sort of become our trial ground for you know for outside the box ideas, um, and then we develop those ideas and try and incorporate different things into you know Flames game day and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, man, it, it is something that that is important to us. Um, and we, we have seen teams do it well. I mean, we all know what, you know, the Nashville playoff run was last year. We all know or, or are starting to learn what home ice advantage means for the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights um, and, and, you know, the elements that they're bringing into their game um, that truly have that fan-driven focus and that fan, you know, supported um, focus that really does allow fans to believe they're driving team success. Austin Shaw, manager game presentation for the two turf teams here in Calgary, the Roughnecks and Stampeders. Austin, I have one more question for you, and I want to kind of make it on a personal level here, is you've gotten to see some great moments in the Dome at McMahon. What really resonates with you when it comes to that game day experience and what the fans take away from it? Oh, man, I I mean, apart from building new fans, building, you know, seeing new faces, and especially, you know, kids being there, um, kids engaging with a sport that that they may otherwise have had no idea um, if, you know, mom or dad didn't bring them down. I mean, the ability to turn over, um, you know, new fans and and family memories, um, you know, some of the specifics, um, you know, anytime we get to, to, to throw, um, you know, some five-year-old kids. I mean, here's a really good example. Superhero night, we brought in some minor lacrosse. These kids are five, six years old, and they're touching the turf for the first time. A lot of them are learning lacrosse in their first year. Um, we put them in uh, Batman and Superman outfits. And, uh, and Red Dog and Howie the Honey Badger led them out onto the turf. And we'd put, you know, together the age-old rivalry, the Batman versus Superman, um, <laughs> in the way of five-year-old kids, you know, following a ball around the turf. Um, and this is just amazing experiences. You see the influx of parents and the parents that all want to be on the glass and, and take photos of their kids and these kids that, that come off the turf after. And you see them later in the game and, you know, they run up to you and say, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and, and you know, mom and dad are just gleaming with pride. And those things, I mean, you really just, I can't say enough about, you know, the ability to reach out and, and involve kids 
and involve, you know, hopefully turning them into lifelong fans in this city. Um, and that's across all four, uh, you know, teams that we're involved in. I mean, we, we love new lacrosse fans, new football fans, and, and new hockey fans. And uh, it's, it's just an amazing experience. That was Austin Shaw, game day manager for the turf teams in Calgary, the Calgary Roughnecks and the Calgary Stampeders. You're listening to The Arena with Joe McFarland and Dave McIver. We'll be right back on 770 CHQR. Here's Dave McIver and Joe McFarland, and you're listening to The Arena with, you guessed it, Dave and Joe on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to the arena on 770-CHQR. It is, well, it's about time for us to, uh, I guess, hear the final buzzer on the arena today on our first show. We're glad that uh, you joined us and listened. We hope that you hear us again. Joe, just your thoughts. Just your thoughts on what we've uh, what we've heard here from two great guests. I just find it interesting how the dynamic of being a fan at a sports arena has changed so much. And the team really does depend on fans and being in the uh, seat that I sit in, not that I'm sitting uh, with these organizations and, and with sports in general. I mean, it's everywhere I've gone and in, in my radio career, I've done something to do with sports and it all started when I did PA announcing with the university of Lethbridge pronghorns hockey teams, right? Like it was so much easier from my perspective to get fans into it when there's a lot of them and they have bought in Yeah, uh, when they haven't bought in, when they're kind of sitting on their hands, when they don't want to make a lot of noise, it kind of takes the air out. And it's interesting to see that it's not every team, it's not every city, it's not every organization. It's depending on the the team and the market, there are teams out there that are really thriving, really doing well, pulling great numbers. And a lot of it has to do with sort of that interaction between the organization and the fans. And, and there has to be that mutual respect, I think, between both to say we're going to cheer for the team regardless of how good or bad they are at the same time the team has to go we're going to respect that and make sure we give you a top-notch product each and every night and i think from the fan perspective it's a positive thing to start seeing organizations looking at you as not just a ticket and not just a dollar sign and not just another butt in the seat it's evident that the Calgary Roughnecks are looking at their fan differently than other sports teams. And that's why they're so successful. And I, especially listening to Austin and Gary talk about the experiences fans are having. It seems that the teams who are most successful with this are more worried about how that fans feeling leaving the game rather than how they're feeling during it, reacting to a scoreboard. They're reacting to, as these guys say, the things that go on out outside the whistles. So listening to those two guys and being a fan, it's encouraging. It really is. And I think the, the conversation is starting to shift, right? There's going to be more of an onus on creating an experience. It's less about going to the game. And, and baseball is going to struggle with this too, right? And and I've been to down to a few different fields and actually going to be down in Seattle before too long to, to see their experience. It's going to be interesting to try to bring in sort of a rock show mentality into sports that aren't necessarily ready to go that level. And baseball is one of them, but hockey's having a struggle as Gary mentioned in, in getting past that old school mentality of we're hockey and everybody's going to love us for the hockey. No, you're now competing, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it with everything else going on in town, whether it's the play, a movie, the bar, 
sitting at home and watching it on TV. You've got to compete with that. And the teams that uh, are able to get over that are going to have the easiest transition in the future. Well, I think that'll do it, Joe. We got one in the books. We got one in the books. We first of all want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you can hear us every weekend on 770 CHQR. Uh, we'll also be available in podcast uh, on iTunes, Android, uh, any which way you can find a podcast will be there. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave McIver. I'm Joe McFarland. This has been The Arena.